0: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate.
1: Chevron Seven Lock.
0: Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent and I'm Zach. This is episode 117, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, "The Other Guys." The Other this Guys. is it's oh man. The Other Guys. Really excited to talk about this one, Zach. All right, but <laughs> before we get into it, let's do the introy stuff, yes, friends. We, this is we we an independent podcast. If you want to help the show in any way, you can uh, join us on Patreon. We got a Patreon just like every other place in the world does. Patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Privileges, tears, little vote stuff, little secret episodes. And the secrety, secrety episodes are Patreon first, not Patreon only. So uh, as we go through the calendar and we need to take breaks here and there, just like Zach and I were talking earlier, Fourth of July weekend is coming up both of us are places where we are not normally going to be because it's 2021 and we are vaccinated and we can finally see people. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, we're not going to be recording that day. So we're going to drop one of our episodes. We we got something in the can. We'll, we'll put that on there. But that's the point is that if you want to hear it right away, you can join us on Patreon. But if you don't want to join us on Patreon and you're worried that we're going to be like holding out on you, the short answer is no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We, 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 we we're not like that. Absolutely. And if uh, you want to tell people where they can find us, um my current recommended thing is uh go get a podcast aggregator. Although Zach, excuse me, I was looking at the numbers recently. Yes. We have a we have a lot of listens on Apple Podcasts.
1: We <laughs> do have a lot of listens <laughs> a on lot
0: on Apple, Apple podcasts. podcasts. We got a lot on Spotify podcasts. Um so the majority of you are listening to us on one of those two things. Um uh even though I keep insisting that y'all should check out pocket casts or, uh, or oh, what's my favorite uh, overcast is what I use. Um, But whatever podcast aggregators, you can type in walking through the stargate. You'll find us. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify podcasts. um uh Yeah. All sorts of stuff. My, my, my uh display keeps getting really dim. And so it's making it tough for me to read my notes. Um, oh. That's really interesting audio. I might cut that out. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Zach. Um, yes. Uh, I'm looking through my notes. I think I said everything I need to say. Uh, if somebody wants to let me know that um, there's there are simpler ways to keep my uh, display from dimming than re- relying on, I don't know. If somebody wants to let me know that today seems to be a terrible day for me to do segues, how might they, how might they do that? How might they let us know?
1: Well, if you have a course on how to do proper segues and you want to invite Brent to join your course and maybe uh-huh. you even have a discount on that and you can give him a discount promo code or something like that, whatever it is. But if you have the tools that Brent needs to effectively do his segues, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com uh,
0: Did I I don't know if if my audio of you saying that got a little sloppy or if the letters out of your mouth got a little sloppy <laughs> You made it.
1: Uh, you, you know made it all the way I got through. all of the letters in there. <laughs> yeah. When I got to about the S T A R, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, the wheels are coming off." <laughs>
0: wow!
1: But You made it. But I made you it. You made it. Yeah. Um, or you could also contact us on Twitter at StargateWalking or go to Facebook, Walking Through the Stargate uh, Facebook page or group. Uh, if you need to give Brent a promo code, the Facebook is <laughs> not the great place to do it. If you no. hate my segues and you need me, then go ahead and send it to Facebook. <laughs> um, we'll get it either way. Um, you could also go to our website, wtts.space. Or walking through Stargate.com. Yes. In either case, uh, we do have some bloggies like stuff up there so you can make some comments if you want there on the various episodes that come mm, I'm out. I'm
0: going to write myself a note. I'm um, going to write myself a note. I keep forgetting.
1: Theoretically, Brent is going to put a grilled cheese grilled recipe cheese on the website. I can't even remember what we are talking website. about to, re- to prompt that. No.
0: I really, I genuinely do not remember myself
1: either. But if then you also remember the... <laughs> why Brent said he was going to put a grilled cheese sandwich <laughs> on the website, email us at at <laughs> uh huh.
0: Yes, and also the correct predictions uh, uh, employee <laughs> of the month. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> yes, we need that, too. We've had some, yeah. some new ones to add, too.
0: Yes, it's true. That's All right, great. Got to get my uh, together.
1: And, of course, as Brent mentioned earlier, we do have our Patreon.com uh, site, Patreon.com slash WalkingThroughTheStargate. There you can join us. We've got uh, several tiers. Uh, each tier gives you a different number of votes per month. Uh, Brent, I sent out our June emails asking for votes. So if you are a oh, Patreon yeah. listener and you mm-hmm. are listening to this, you need to be checking your mailbox for that and sending those to me so that I can get your June uh, votes in and Mm -hmm. uh, we've already had 10 votes for Stargate the movie and we are getting to that Uh, Brent you and I talked about uh, recording that next Friday a week well six days from right now six days from now yes yes Uh, that's right so Patreon listeners uh, that's probably going to come out for you uh, somewhere leading up to 4th of July uh, yep. When it's all yeah. said and done, yeah, uh, we've got two episodes for the pilot. Two episodes, two votes for the pilots. One for Emancipation, two mm-hmm. for Cold mm-hmm. Lazarus, four for the Knox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bane has mm-hmm. nine votes. <gasps> uh, and it's happening. We, so Bane it's is happening. getting really, really close to that. Yay! Uh, Two for Touchstone, one for Seth, four for Forever in a Day, one for Ergo, three for 100 Days, one for Beneath the Surface, three for Tangent, one for Absolute Power, (laughs) two for the Light, and one for Red Sky. Yeah. um, Awesome. So, like I said, um, Patreon listeners, if you... Have not already sent me your votes. Please do that. If you didn't get one last night or this morning, check your spam folder. If you still didn't get that, email me at walking at gmail.com because you should have it. And apparently I'd have the wrong email address for you. So oh, that could we need to get yeah, to that's, that. that that's true. So if you don't have that, let me know. All right. Brent. Yes. You said that you were excited about digging into the other guys. Uh huh. And so are you ready to begin that process? Yes, please. All right, here we go. This episode was directed by Martin Wood. This is his fifth directing credit in this season out of seven. He did Redemption Uh Parts 1 and 2. He did Frozen. He did Abyss. He is Mm -hmm. doing the other guys now. He's got two more coming up. Mm -hmm. The teleplay for this episode is by Damian Kindler. This is his first writing credit of five this season. Now this is not the first time we have heard his name. At least, if I remember to say it way back then, uh, it was in season two. So it's hard to say. He does mm-hmm. have a story credit for the episode "Need" in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is his first teleplay credit. This episode actually earned him a job in the writing room. Oh. So hey, congratulations! And All right. He has a total of twenty-five writing slash story credits for the series of sg1
0: okay yeah so all right that nice. is
1: damien mm-hmm. we have several guest actors in this episode mm-hmm. the first one i want to talk about is patrick mckenna he plays dr Yay, J. Patrick McKenna. felger or felger one of the two yep it's pronounced mm-hmm. both uh he was born in 1960 <laughs> in ontario canada he mm-hmm. is an actor and producer known for the Red Green Show. Yep. Um in yep. the early nineties, Traders mm-hmm. in ninety-six, and in Robocop in nineteen ninety-four. Mm-hmm. Um he you know, he is actually known for playing Harold Green on the Red Green show. According heck to the yes, trivia on IMDb. Uh, yes, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
0: No, no, no. I said heck uh, yes, he
1: uh, is. Heck yes. So there you go. He yes. apparently married his high school sweetheart uh, oh, and has been yeah. married to Janice McKenna since 1983. So nice. good on ya, that's awesome. Uh, he is the only person ever to win a Gemini Award for Best Actor in a Drama for Traders mm-hmm. and Best Actor in a Comedy for The Red Green Show mm-hmm. in the same year. So oh, in 1998, hey. he gotcha. won a Gemini, two Gemini Awards for drama and comedy in those two shows. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I will give you a little bit of a spoiler. We will see Felger again in a future nice. episode. Okay. That's exciting. That's good um, to hear. And as I was looking through his IMDb stuff, I discovered that he was in an episode of Kung Fu. The Legend Continues. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And serious. He played You've got to be kidding me. The episode Quake. Way back in 1995 on Kung Fu, The wow. Legend Continues. Wow. That list that's hilarious. continues to grow. Oh, that's
0: so um, funny.
1: It's, it's hilarious. I love it. Oh. Um, now, his first IMDb credit came in 1980 in the movie Up the Academy, and he played henchman number one. ha 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 ha. Henchman number one. Henchman number one. Oh, that's funny. All right. Awesome. We now have John Billingsley, who played Dr. Simon Coombs. Yay, John Billingsley! Yay! Now, he was born in 1960 in Pennsylvania. Uh, He Mm -hmm. is an actor known for The Man from Earth, Out of Time, and 2012, which was actually in 2009. Oh, um, funny. He's been married to Bonita, I'm not going to try her last name, since 2000. Now, <laughs> he's been in all of those things, but what I know John Billings the best from yeah, is Star Trek do. Enterprise, which ran from yeah. 2001 to 2005, where he played the Denobulan Doctor Phlox.
0: Now, uh, I was thinking about this. And I was like, wait a minute, wasn't Enterprise, didn't that start in 2001? And this episode was in 2002. So he is a, um, was he a starring actor or just a guest actor in Enterprise?
1: He was a title actor in that.
0: Right? I thought so. So he's a title actor in Enterprise and doing a guest spot here in Stargate SG-1. Yep. Which I when I was thinking about it, I thought that maybe like this was like a guest role, like just before he started doing Flocks. But no, he was doing Flocks, and then he did the guest role here.
1: Yep, Uh, it it, it had to have lined up where he had a two or three week break from Enterprise for him to come up to because Enterprise doesn't film up in or didn't film up in Vancouver, did it?
0: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So so he
1: would have he would have had to uh, take some time off. Um, now, this episode aired in August. Um, I'm going to guess it probably filmed in the summer. Um,
0: yeah, it did. And, like and so
1: he could have been on hiatus or something for that, depending on how things played out. But, you know, it worked. Um, um, John Billingsley, his first IMDb credit, as you figure out the other thing, yeah. was in the movie Seven Hours to Judgment, way back in 1988. And he played the character of Eddie.
0: Uh, Enterprise, Paramount Pictures lot, Los Angeles. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, now, so said, there was a lot of direct flights from LA to Vancouver. Probably still are. Um, yeah. So you could have arranged <laughs> One should it. One could think. Uh, you know, and I, I'm, that's LA to Vancouver. I imagine that's not more than a three, maybe four hour flight at most. I wouldn't um, think
0: it's. I think it's further than you think it is, but is it's it? still well because um, that that spot that that spot in North America is pretty long. Um, well, yeah, but still, the point is is that it's it's a matter of you know, let's call it a half day flight.
1: Yeah. So that is Doctor Flocks. I, I mean, I mean yep. John Billingsley, <laughs> Doctor Fox. <Phlox. laughs> yes. We have Adam Herring who plays Kansu. Ye- ye- Oh yeah, him. Uh, the 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 Topher, I thought we were going we to talk guy.
0: about the other guy. Oh no, he's way down there. Okay, yeah, oh, he's down on.
1: there. Oh, okay. I'll talk about Randy Schooley Dr. Myers. There's not much to say. He was born in British Columbia. He has a total of 15 credits from 1995 to 2004. That's all I know <laughs> about him. His first IMDb credit came in 1995 when he was Mr. Henneke in an episode of University Hospital.
0: Okay, there you go.
1: All right, there you go. Now. Now we'll get back to the Adam Herring, uh, or Harrington. I have both of them on here somewhere in different places. So I'm not, a, 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 anyway, you know, it's Kansu. Well, 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 it's Kansu. Kansu. He was born in 1972 in Ontario. Uh, he is known for The Little Things, which is a brand new 2021 thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Bosch in 2014, and Parks and Recreation in 2009. I have never actually seen Parks and Rec, but it would be interesting Ah. to see where he fits into that. Um, Apparently, he has a master's degree in marine biology.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Nice. And technically, this is not the first time, though it is the last time, we will see (laughs) Harrington (laughs) in Stargate SG-1. Uh-huh. He actually played Gulwold number two in the pilot, Children of the Gods. Oh, Wow. Hey. Nice. And his first IMDb credit was way back in 1996 when he played Jim the Cable Guy in the short movie The Principles of Karma.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. There you go.
1: There you go. Now, moving on. We have Michael Adamthwaite, who plays Mm -hmm. Harak. (laughs) Sorry, Mm -hmm. I had to clear up my throat there. I apologize. Harak. So... This is from Michael Adam himself. Okay. Michael David Adam was born September 1, 1981 in Ontario, Canada. He entered the arts in his community theater program in the mid-1990s. He then moved to Vancouver, British Columbia to pursue acting professionally in September of 2000. In the years since, Michael has etched out a career as an actor, writer, filmmaker, teacher, and voiceover artist, with nearly twenty years in the arts, and over one hundred film and television credits to his name. Michael is actively writing and developing several, multiple scripts, and has begun to design process for his, has begun the design process for his first book, which he hopes to publish in the coming year. Nice okay so this is not the last time we will see Harak. <clears throat>
0: oh, okay okay
1: Harak is gonna come back okay uh his first Returning imdb back. credit though he says mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. got he moved and started professionally in uh the 2000s and in the mid 90s he was doing community theater and all of that stuff however his first IMDb credit comes way back in 1989 when he was eight years old. Mm-hmm. When he does the voice of Mukala, the English version voice of Yoroiden Samurai Torupa Kiketo. Uh, no, Kikote uh, Densetsu. I should have practiced that ahead of time. <laughs> Yoroiden Samurai Torupa uh, Kikote Densetsu. I still butchered that. Hey,
0: you did all right. You did all right. right.
1: In any case, there you go. That is Michael Adam Mm Thwait. And then, of course, we do have Sergeant Walter Harriman joining us uh, for this episode as well.
0: Which, (laughs) which, okay, two things. I I recalled that I am watching this in standard def, not high def. So uh, there was the first scene where uh, Gary Jones is in the gate room and uh, Don Davis walks in and says the line, something along the line of what do we got Sergeant? And I rewound it because I'm like Sergeant, right? Sergeant. And he says, Sergeant. And so what was it last episode of the episode before when he walked in and said private, that was clearly a mistake. And, but, but bringing us back to our doppelganger theory. However, the SD part matters because I was looking at his name.
1: Uh, his what name badge?
0: Ma- Thank you. Badge? Not badge. Um, yeah, badge. Wow. Uh, hi. Apparently, I need more coffee. Anyway, I was looking at his name badge. I couldn't read it because it was an SD. And I suspect that if we, if I was watching a, a high-def version of the thing that I probably could have made out the name. Um, you know, Norm MacDonald or whatever it was. Um Davis, but. Norm uh, Davis. Norm Davis. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, but since I can't, since it's an SD, it's just a smudge. Right. Uh, then, you know, yeah, it's still, it's still obviously Walter Harriman.
1: Yep. All right.
0: Sergeant. Sergeant Walter sergeant. Harriman, not Private Norm Davis.
1: Technically, I think he's a master sergeant.
0: Master Sergeant Walter Gerald Harriman.
1: Sure. We'll run with that.
0: Hey, if we're just making names up,
1: hey. might as well be Gerald. <laughs> All right. So this episode originally aired... On August 2nd, 2002. Uh-huh. In the United States, they were still listening to Hot in Here by Nelly. Apparently, it's still it, it, it's hot. hot well, it's August, in, man. It's August. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the UK, they were still making stupid mistakes listening to any one of us.
0: It could happen to any one of us. That's, it's a terrible, it is a bad song. Bad. I, I,
1: I can't argue with that but friends, they were listening to it and they were listening friends to it for from a the long
0: UK time in the uk who were alive back then and bought a signal a sing a signal i can't talk today bought a signal signal single that's Singles. it just one bought a single um what the heck were you guys thinking <laughs> this
1: song is so bad Ugh. Oh anyway. but it has a good beat, Brent I'm sure it's
0: fine. it really it barely it i mean i suppose I suppose you can make that argument because they literally took the like pop ballad beat of every other song in the world and put that in there so sure
1: fair enough well <laughs> well, okay, so clearly there are signs in the atmosphere that this is a bad movie, not a movie, a bad song, but signs is the number one in the box office for this week. Ah. Nice. Apparently, what we need to do is get Gareth Gates into the room in science and just hit baseball bats into cups of water and you know, <laughs> splash him around a little bit. Um, that'll fix it. Somehow. That'll fix it. Bad. It's it's like spraying your cat with water. Bad. Yes.
0: <laughs> psst, psst. Stop being a jerk. Psst, psst. But it there can happen go. to anyone. No, it doesn't. Psst,
1: psst. <laughs> Which... Is probably a joke. They should have used in Austin Powers in Gold Member, but they didn't. And if they had, it would have been better. Didn't
0: they? Didn't isn't honestly? There a thing I where, have
1: no idea. I can't. I've I only think seen Gold a Member once. Good.
0: I thought that he. I thought that he does spray a cat with something. I don't know. It's it, it's no possible. stop it. Shh, shh. Maybe I'm thinking of Dr. Evil. Whatever. Doesn't matter. I'm Hurry sure
1: on. Dr. Evil would do something like that. Um, apparently, though, uh, number three in the box office is Master of Disguise, which is appropriate because Mike Myers, who plays Austin Powers and Dr. No, is apparently a Master of Disguise in that movie. Franchise. In a manner of speaking, yes. Now, number four in the box office is Martin Lawrence Live, Run Teldut. And I am certain that Martin Lawrence would have made any one of those movies better probably
0: uh yes maybe um almost certainly um almost but
1: absolutely. it would definitely have been a road to perdition if it had happened
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> shall i move
0: well on? done good job yes
1: okay so what was happening at this point in time? not a whole lot on august 1st one day before this airs a couple things happened one uh, star linebacker Ray Lewis signed a five-year contract extension for the Baltimore Ravens, and in that contract, he got a nineteen million dollars signing bonus, which, as of that time in the NFL, was the largest in NFL history.
0: Now, well, let's be real—that's a lot of money.
1: That is a lot of money. It's kind of chump change these days in the NFL uh, uh, I, for I star players. That's true. I- yeah, I don't. I, don't I mean, when when Patrick Mahomes you. recently signed a half a billion dollar contract, good night,
0: five hundred million dollar contract.
1: Yep. How now, long? For how long? Uh five or six years. Five years. It might have been longer than that. It, it might be ah. longer, but it, it. I can't remember the exact date. Well, if,
0: if it. it's less, it, it's probably less than ten.
1: It. It is less than ten. Um but uh i think it was 6 years because i think it comes up to well i don't know maybe it was i don't know um it wa- it, it had to been falling somewhere in the neighborhood of of 50 or 55 million a year which would make it like a 10 year contract i don't know i yeah. can't remember yeah. but but Whatever. it's it's ridiculous a lot of money um also on august 1st the uh 35th annual San Diego comic-con international opens at the San Diego convention center mm-hmm. way back when the comic-con there in San Diego was really, really important for various and sundry things. Yes. I suppose there's somebody out there who's saying it's still important. Now it, it is. I, I I'm so it commercialized that it's l- less so now yeah. in my opinion, um, a few days after this episode aired on August 6th, the 32 year old reliever, Uh, Rob Nen becomes the 16th and youngest closer to record 300 career saves as he protects the Giants' 11-10 lead versus the Cubs. Gotcha. There you go. So, there you go. Now, that's about it. That's all that's happening early August of 2020. Yeah, gotcha. All right, some trivia. Um, Yes. uh, John Billingsley, of course who is famous for playing Dr. Phlox on Star, Te- Star Trek in this episode is quoted as saying, worshipping at the altar of Roddenberry and then blah, right. blah, blah, and he might as well be right. wearing a red shirt and all these Star yep. Trek uh, comments. Um, now, other uh, nods to Star Trek uh, in the scene where Khonsu is sitting in his throne behind him, you can see a Klingon Batleth. Uh, oh, and I missed that. So and you can see so this isn't strictly speaking uh Star Trek but you can see the Kurgan's sword from The Highlander kind of back there on the wall.
0: Uh, so I did notice a, I did notice the I mean I didn't recognize it for what it was. I did notice the sword, but I did not recognize it at the Batleth.
1: So I had I had I, I'm going on faith that the internet is telling me the truth here. I did look for it, but uh, I was trying to do a whole bunch of things at the same time, and so I didn't sure. specifically see the Batleth. Uh, and it doesn't specify well, where it, it was. Well,
0: but it also kind of had to have been, I'm not going to say redressed, but you know what I mean? Like, clearly it wasn't going to be put in a position of power and prominence. Right. Because we would have all recognized a Batleth, like, instantly, and been like, wait a minute.
1: Yep. <laughs> That's a Batleth. <laughs> Yeah. Now, um, in the IMDB notes here for that, they said the it was a Klingon Batleth from Sword of Honor, which is a Deep Space Nine episode. And if
0: oh, is that I remember
1: correctly, that's the episode when they talk about the first Batleth. And the first Batleth looks a little bit different than the standard yeah. Batleth that Worf used all over the place. Yeah. So yeah, 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 that could be yeah. a situation where it's you know, dressed up in such a way. There you go. Yep. Yep. Teal'c says, uh, I believe the Canucks of Vancouver are superior warriors. Uh, Well, the Canucks were actually playing quite well at that point in time. And Mm. that Mm -hmm. clip made it into the Canucks games. They played that several times during their playoff run that year.
0: Oh, nice. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's good. I like that.
1: Now, Uh, Around the 23-minute mark, Felger uh, uses the word hinky uh, and then says it's a word. And Coombs asks, in what dictionary? Well, apparently Mm -hmm. hinky is actually a word in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it means nervous or jittery or suspicious.
0: Was that ever in doubt?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I am just giving you clarity. Fine. I knew what he meant immediately.
0: Hinky yeah. is a word in my vocabulary.
1: Hinky. This is hinky. hmm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, John Billingsley, uh, who plays Simon Coombs, is of course known for playing Dr. Flox. We've said that several times, even though this is a mm-hmm. Stargate podcast. He mm. is the sixth Star Trek veteran to appear in the franchise. Ah, yeah. We have Armin Shimmerman, who played uh, one of the Nox. Dwight yep. Schultz in The Gamekeeper, Rene auberjon yep. Wah on the other side, Marina Sirtis yep. in Watergate, and yep. John DeLancey in Ascension. And others. Yes. And nice. now John Billingsley. Um, John Billingsley. This is not the end of Star Trek actors showing up in Stargate.
0: <laughs> and apparently not the end of Star Trek props showing up in Stargate. I mean, well, I don't know about that, but I didn't know about know. The, bat, I, the bat left. Anyway, that's so, fun. Looking forward to seeing the others.
1: Now, um, Teal'c states in this episode that uh, they, that is to say, he and Colonel O'Neill, or at least SG-1 as a whole, have saved the world eight times so far. Mm-hmm. In actuality, there have been nineteen prior instances from this episode in which a major threat to Earth was prevented. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm doing this because somebody actually went through this and put this together, and I'm like, this is this is great. Okay. So we have Stargate, uh, the movie, the attack by Ra.
0: Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Hathor, the conquest by Hathor, Serpent yeah. Slayer when Apophis and Chlorel attack. Message in a Bottle, yeah. when you have that virus orb that was trying to take over and wipe out all native life on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Family, which is the episode with Ryak and his uh, bioweapon teeth, right? <laughs> Bane, your favorite episode with of the course. alien insects. You've got A Matter of Time, when you've got a gravity with a black hole transmitting through all of that stuff. Serpent Song, when Sokar attacks the planet. Uh, mm-hmm. show and tell the Ritu rebels are trying to blow things up mm-hmm. into the fire Hathor attacks again um, mm-hmm. foothold we've got the uh, aliens who come and try to take over uh, the the SGC in the world and do all those types of things where have those guys went where do they go we haven't seen them since yeah then.
0: well that's because they're invisible
1: <laughs> no 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 those are the Ritu. <laughs> wrong ones <laughs> the Ritu are invisible the the foothold are the ones who had those little things that made them look like somebody else
0: oh that's right that's right that's right That's right. yeah yeah
1: we have small victories when we have yet another infestation yeah. by the replicators yep um we have window of opportunity when they're trapped in a time loop we have yep, 2010 the conquest by the Ashen alternate timeline. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Um, we have enemies, which is an infestation of the galaxy, including Earth, by the Replicators. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have 2001 with the conquest of the Ashen again. Yep. Um, yep. Once in alternate timeline, once in our timeline. Failsafe, when you have the Nakwata asteroid coming forth. Uh, yep, Menace, right. which is with Reese and the Replicators trying to take over things again. And of course, mm-hmm. Redemption Part 2, when we have the attack on the planet by Anubis. Yep. yep. Of those 19 prior instances in which a major threat to Earth was prevented, O'Neill and Tilk made major contributions to stopping 12 of them. So. He says eight, but according to whomever came up with this list, it's closer to 12.
0: So then one can only be led to the most inevitable of conclusions with this. And that is that uh, Teal'c, mighty, powerful, unmatched, even he suffers from imposter syndrome because at least in four of those situations, he didn't think he did that good of a job.
1: There you go. (laughs) Which, for those of the rest of us who also suffer from imposter syndrome, um, can take heart that if Teal'c, who is Teal'c, can suffer from imposter syndrome and potentially other mental health problems along the way, uh, then you're okay, too. You're fine.
0: You've probably saved the world four or five times. You just didn't even know it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if somebody like actually pointed it out, you'd be like, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. But I didn't
0: in fact, do it that was of that big a deal. That's right. That's my point.
1: Yep. Okay. There you go. Now, we do have a quote from Joseph Malazzi about this episode. Uh, before mm-hmm. I get to that, I have a question for you. So, at yes. the end of this episode, uh, we see a dream uh, coming, Felger coming out of a dream when a Coombs pokes him yes. in the face.
0: <laughs> yes. So.
1: My question for you is: What was the daydream?
0: <laughs> the daydream was the uh, was the uh, the award ceremony.
1: Okay, so not the kiss.
0: It was the whole thing. He didn't get the they, they didn't get the civilian honor or blah blah blah.
1: Right. So, whenever I watched this episode, I always made the assumption that the award ceremony, leading you know, culminating in the kiss, was the dream. But the rest yes. of the episode actually happened. That right. said, the way it is cut. <sighs> There are oh. people out there who assume that the entire episode was his dream, which uh, leads me to Joseph Malazzi's <laughs> quote. He says, it was never intended to be all in Felger's head, just the yeah. ceremony. However, yeah. watching the finished episode, we realized, uh-oh, people are going to think it was all a daydream. And I've read some pretty convincing arguments for why it should be a daydream. (laughs)
0: Sure. Sure. Now, um, quick, almost spoilery question. When we see Felger again. Yes. Will it have been within the context of him having participated in this adventure or not? Um, And let me say it differently. Is the next time that when we see him next, will should it put to bed the question of whether or not the whole thing was a daydream or not?
1: So um, I can't remember all of the specifics regarding your question and Felger in the next time we see Felger, it's going to be a couple of seasons. Um, But that said, I am fairly certain and it might be that episode. It might be a different episode. And I, but this episode and the events of Kansu and all of that stuff are talked about in a future episode. So, once it is talked about in a future episode, it does become canon and uh proof, if you want to take it that way, that yeah, these events happened. Gotcha. So, and
0: again, I mean, like Malazi saying, like you know, like, like the, it was the award ceremony that was the daydream. Right, like the joke right. on this one is they went through. Well, that's the point. That's the gag is that they went through the whole this whole adventure and they are right back at the table at the you know at the at the in the laboratory uh, sitting there dude crunching numbers or whatever. Right, like he's See, daydreaming about this like award ceremony and the and the gag is hmm, no, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they're
1: they're yeah. still
0: doing their their, their research.
1: <laughs> so so I think that if the whole thing had been a Uh, daydream of jay felgers yeah um then he would have come out more heroic than he did
0: oh good point yeah Um, that's a good i mean
1: the whole episode is how he kind of bumbles from thing to thing and he's like you know yeah um and and you know uh o'neill would have been more um excited to see him and happy to see him maybe a little bit of hesitancy but not like the oh for crying out loud would you just go away type of thing yeah so yeah. that's my contention yep now this episode in other languages uh-oh the title okay. is yes. in the italian they call it the other guys mm-hmm. now the spanish do something very similar and call it the other heroes mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. the czech just call it heroes mm-hmm. the hungarians call it the other guys Mm-hmm. The French say it's called bravery. Mm. hmm And the Germans. hmm mm-hmm. Oh, they just call it true heroes. True heroes. I'm not sure. True that. American heroes. Okay. Okay. Enough of that. It's time to move on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or not true. Real. Real American heroes. That was the, that was the Budweiser ad campaign.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, you've got. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, are you ready for the synopsis? For this episode, the other guys. Yes, let's get into it. All right, here we go. This time on Stargate SG-1, the Goa'uld find <laughs> themselves on a strange new world. Lord yes. Katsu is happy. He is, he's learned the location of three humans and a Jaffa known to the Tari as SG-1. With glee in his face, he orders his first prime harak. Uh, excuse me. Uh, harak. to capture them and bring them back to him alive Mm -hmm. this time on stargate sg1 sg1 finds themselves on a different strange new world babysitting duty three scientists dr j felger simon coombs and myers are studying an old ring platform surrounded by ruins dr felger is distracted though He can't seem to concentrate on his task, because he is the fanboy of all fanboys toward Colonel O'Neill and the rest of SG-1, and oh boy, is Felger fanboying! (laughs) Coons and Myers try to get Felger's attention, which only leads to an argument on whether and how to worship at the altar of Roddenberry. As for O'Neill and Teal, they're talking hockey. Apparently the Canucks of Vancouver are superior warriors. As Felger continues to drool over his heroes, the two are called away with a message from Major Carter. The colonel orders the three Stooges, I I mean the three scientists, to stay put, and if anything happens, they are to head directly back to the SGC. The Stooges, I, I mean scientists, begin arguing about what the colonel could mean. Well, Felger is obsessed with that. The other two just want to do their work and be done with things. (laughs) Suddenly, an Alkesh flies overhead, ending the quarrel. Felger has to know what's going on and calls out to his babysitters. They, of course, already know that there's an Alkesh there, and they're already in a firefight with the enemy. Felger is supposed to stay where he is, but Felger being Felger, rushes towards the battlefield, dragging his colleagues with him. They arrive to see his heroes being led to the Alkesh by a bunch of Jaffa warriors. Oh no! SG-1 has been captured! Who are you going to call? Ghostbuster! Uh, I mean, Felger! 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 <laughs> Valiantly, Felger quickly gets to work on the ring transport with the quick diagnostics check and the Nakoda generator. Plugged into it, they get the rings working, and if they act fast, they can beam up to the mothership in orbit, undoubtedly in orbit. Why? Because, duh, clearly, of course, it has to be. They need to go and rescue SG-1. Felger and Coombs ring up, much to Coombs' displeasure. Dr. Myers returns through the Stargate to report back to Hammond. On the ship, and clearly inept at such excursions, Felger pulls out his handgun and proceeds to blindly shoot the walls, spinning in a circle, and Coombs falls to the floor convinced that Felger is going to get him killed. On the ship, SG-1 is sequestered in a cell discussing their fate. Carter is surprised that Jonas isn't smiling. After all, this is his first time captured on a mothership. At this, about this time, Harak enters and begins to talk to SG-1. And... O'Neill tells uh, Harak that he should take some pride in his work. Coombs and Felger work their way through the halls of the ship looking for the brig. Felger is moving stealthily-ish. Coombs just wants to go home and has no concept whatsoever of the, mean- of the meaning of covert. Eventually, they do find SG1 after crawling through the air ducts, which a little excursion off to the side here. Why are air ducts and TV shows about 7,000 times bigger than they are in real life? Anyway, SG1 is stunned to see Felger and Coombs on the ship. What are you doing here? We're here to rescue you. Huh? Huh? <laughs> O'Neil is dismayed and angrily reveals that they have bungled their way into a mission in which they allowed themselves to get captured on purpose. Kansu is really an undercover Tok'ra, and this was the only way to get the intel on Anubis that Kansu has been collecting. Fortunately, a couple of Freejafah are there helping the Tok'ra. And they arrive to assist and escort the two stooges, I mean scientists, to a hiding place in one of the storage rooms. The Hatak arrives on Kansu's planet. SG-1 is moved to a special cell complete with vertical lights indicating an active force field inside Kansu's base. Let the waiting begin... Well, continue. The waiting has to continue. On the ship, Felger and Coombs are shocked. When the two free Jaffa are killed by a group of other Jaffa right in front of them. The jig is up. The traitors have been discovered. I mean, the, the, the traitors being the free Jaffa, not, not Felger and Coombs. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, SG1 is once again in terrible trouble, and only Felger and Coombs can save the day. Coombs is stunned and shocked. He is blubbering about being a redshirt. But Coombs, not Coombs, Felger has a plan. Let's. Wear those Jaffa outfits from the two guys that we've just seen die in front of us. And then we can ring down to the planet and just walk into the base as Jaffa and rescue our heroes. Piece of cake. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing, surely. Anyway, inside the fortress, Harak confronts Kansu and without much preamble shoots him twice because he's a Tok'ra spy. Harak is now in charge until his true god Anubis arrives. Harak then turns his attention back to SG-1. He knows all about Kansu's treachery and his plans to reveal information to SG-1. Of course, Harak killed Kansu before he could share any of this sweet, sweet intel with our heroes, but this doesn't stop Harak from torturing O'Neill with a rod of anguish. This is how he takes pride in his work, Mr. O'Neill. Of course, not even the rod of anguish can stop the snark of one Colonel Jack O'Neill. You ended that sentence with a preposition! (gasps) Learning nothing new, the team is tossed back into the cell. Back at the SGC, in a scene that doesn't really matter to anything else, but it's good to have because there it is, Hammond is informed that Kansu was killed and that his people are in trouble. But, there is nothing that Hammond can do right now. Now, Dr. Myers is crushed. I thought we didn't leave our people behind. Now, Hammond has to take a moment to remind him that without more information, any rescue attempt would be suicide, and he's not going to order a suicide mission. So until slash unless something changes, SG-1, as well as Felger and Coombs, are just going to have to be it on their own and try to save themselves. Now, as for Felger and Coombs, remarkably, they make it to the base. Coombs only pukes once and Felger was able to use that distraction to zat a Jaffa guard roaming the forest. They find in the base a control room with access to basically the entire base. They contact SG-1, and with Carter walking Coombs through a few steps, he is able to turn off the vertical lights and the force field, incarcerating the team. At the same time, Felger is quickly heading to the cell, along with several zat guns for our heroes. Out of prison and armed with weapons, they have but one task. Take out the dozen or more Jaffas that are patrolling the ground, around the base and the Stargate, and then gate home. It's as simple as that. That's the plan. Did what? It's what we do. Okay. So, with a shrug, O'Neill heads off, leading his team to what they do. They do what they do, and they clear out the area around the gate of Jaffa. Now, let's ring Coombs over here, and they can safely depart. There's just one problem. Coombs' position has been compromised, and there are Jaffa trying to break into the control room. (sighs) With a sigh, O'Neill tells Carter and Jonas to stay by the gate with Felger while he and Teal go rescue the scientist. If they aren't back in five minutes, do... something. Coombs watches in terror as the door is breaking under the battering it's received from the other side. Bang! 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 Suddenly he hears a lot of blasts. <makes noise> then they're silent. Then suddenly a sound of battering on the door resumes. Bang! 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 He's doomed! When the door collapses and the dust settles, it's O'Neill, Inviting the scared scientist to join them in going home. At the stargate, Carter already has the gate open. They're waiting. O'Neill, Teal, and Coombs ring back and they all safely return home through the gate. Harak is more than a little bit upset that SG-1 escaped. Back at the base, Felger and Coombs are honored in a ceremony as heroes by Hammond. O'Neill personally thanks the two for saving his life, and Carter passionately kisses Felger. Well, that's what happens to finish the episode in Felger's mind. He is, in fact, snapped back to reality as Coombs jabs him in the face with a finger. The two resumed their work on some kind of data calibration. Geek. Nerd. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. The other guys. Yeah. What'd you think?
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, I can't recall if I have mentioned that I grew up in northern lower Michigan. Which, if you meet anybody from Michigan, the odds are really, really good that they grew up in the metro Detroit area. And metro Detroit is anywhere. That put that. That then puts that person anywhere between like 1 to 50 miles away from Canada. And I grew up 250 miles away from there. Um, which, uh, uh, because of geography, uh, Detroit is the only place in America where you have to go south to get into Canada. Hmm. Um, uh, I was actually... Closest, I think. Let me see here. Like 175 miles. Uh, if I if if I was to go north. But point is, is that you know, lots of people grew up closer to Canada than I ever did. But when I was a younger uh, person than I am now, people used to love to tease me about being Canadian because I grew up in northern Lower Michigan, and I'd be like, No, I grew up in northern Lower Michigan, not in Canada. Even though I gotta tell you a secret. I gotta tell you a secret. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Here, here we go. Canadians. All right. Here we go. I love Canada. It's <gasps> super great. I love it. People were giving me a high compliment when they were saying that they didn't realize it. I'm currently I got right here right right there that is my Tim Hortons uh thermal little water jug full of water. Uh there is nothing finer than a double double. Uh if you want to have a, a superior breakfast experience, you have to put lettuce and tomato on it. Um I'm not sure if that's just a Tim Hortons thing, but that was the first time I ever had it and it was fantastic. Um I uh I love going over to the Maritimes. I love going over to the Rockies. Um I have not yet been to Vancouver, uh but uh th- but there is that. I think it's great. And so as a result, uh so, I, Brent,
1: I I have a, just a quick aside here. Yes. A I have never been to Canada, uh, much to my chagrin. Well, that's not entirely true. So I lived in North Dakota for a while, and we did go up to the International Peace Park or whatever it's called. I can't remember exactly. Sure. But it's this park that is uh, literally over the border. And so you do have to have your passport or at least a birth certificate or something to, to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and half the, the, the park is inside canada and half of it is in the u.s mm-hmm. so i was in that and so i spent some time in canada but that hardly counts no it wasn't like nope. in free range canada
0: nope <sighs> if you gotta so so uh you know having a visit to canada includes like driving through montreal and having the people at the mcdonald's look at you weird when you ask for ketchup um you know like uh, yes it involves uh uh you know going 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 to the store and uh seeing that they got ketchup flavored chips I and mean, being like wait what's that about um it's wait wait, wait.
1: Ketchup flavored
0: chips. Yeah. It involves uh, you know, referring to your to, to to your coinage uh as as birds. Um, you know, I mean there's all sorts of great little things. Great little great little idiomatic aspects of, of uh of of being in Canada. It's a delight. I okay. love it.
1: I love it. Okay. So I would love to go to Canada.
0: Oh, it's great. You should do it sometime.
1: Just I don't would love uh, to.
0: Just don't just don't be surprised if they throw uh, mayonnaise packets at you when you get McDonald's in uh, Quebec.
1: Uh, well, there's a small chance that I will actually go to McDonald's in Canada. There's a small chance I go to McDonald's in the U.S.
0: I'm just saying. I imagine that okay. they probably throw mayo at you at other uh, other establishments too.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: All right. Also, I learned that in um, Quebec, it's the only place in the world where the stop signs read "arrêt." The rest of the places in the world they they read "stop" or nothing. As in, like, not even in France do they say "stop" in French. (laughs) I think I I don't think I have a word. I think it's just a symbol in France. That's why it's that's why it's funny. Um, But anyway, um, so so yes, when I was growing up, um, I also would watch the Red Green show, and I didn't watch it like religiously, but I watched it a lot. And so I was a little surprised that I didn't recognize Patrick McKenna when I saw him. but when I was watching the episode, I'm like, oh, it's Harold. And so I started seeing all of these um, kind of basically idiosyncrasies that McKenna brings to the screen because I saw it a bunch in his portrayal of Harold Green, which is quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, McKenna bring as I was watching this episode, I was kind of sitting here like, you know, McKenna brings a charisma to the character because he's able to act in a silly manner Um in a way that I didn't necessarily think was like over the top per se. It just really, really fit the role really, really well. And I don't know if right. the role was written for him or if he just gelled to the role or what, but it worked great. Um And then uh John Billingsley playing opposite him. So then you had that, that, that sort of that, that, uh, uh, sort of peculiar boisterousness that Flocks had kind of represented mm-hmm. here with Coombs a little bit. There was a little bit of the bumbling. There was a little bit of the, uh, you know, the, the bouncing around, you know, from, from, from here to there as the events are transpiring. Flocks, um, I think was much less of a worry wart than Coombs was uh, or Coombs is, but, you know, um, you know, Billingsley did a great job with this one thing too, this thing too. Right. And, and so, so early on, right. So early on in the episode, right, we get the scene pretty much right away with um, Coombs, uh, uh shoot, uh, F- uh, F- uh, uh, Felger, and I can't remember the third guy's name. Um, Myers, Myers, and so it's it's you know it's it's pretty easily establishing what the situation is. That's when I recognize McKenna, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. And then really shortly thereafter, uh, O'Neill asks Teal'c who he has uh, in the cup. Like, who do you think, he, who does he think going all the way? And Teal answers that Vancouver are the, the Vancouver Canucks are the superior warriors. As soon as that was said, I said to myself, is this going to be a bit of a love letter to Canada? Cause I think this might be a bit of a love letter to Canada. <laughs> and if this is a love letter to Canada, then this is probably going to be kind of fun. Um, and it wasn't not really, but I ended up just gleefully watching the 43 minutes of the show uh watching McKenna and Billingsley do their thing mm. and it was nice to see their story intersect with the SG1 story pretty well but i was really there to watch uh, a version of uh Harold Green basically <laughs> <laughs> bumble around inside uh different uh you know uh, different gold ships and situations there was a brief moment there where they were basically like shouting well, it was after they gated in and <laughs> and and uh, felger just just opens fire around the room
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: holding his head shielding his face just firing indiscriminately around the room and then later they're walking through basically shouting at each other and i'm like Guys, you really got to be quiet, or else those 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 Jafar are gonna see you. And then I was like, wait a minute, what? Brent, what do you? No, it's fine. It's fine. They're the. This is clearly, obviously supposed to be in canon, but it's also obviously supposed to just be fun. Let's just have some fun with this one. Yeah. Uh, let's not worry too much about how much noise they're making, and just 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 enjoy what is supposed to be uh, a comedic um, reprieve in the show.
1: So. Regarding that, Mm -hmm. um, like Martin Wood directed this episode and his direction to uh, John and Patrick was, uh, Patrick, you care about not being seen. And John, you don't care at all. You just want to go home. Yes. And so what you see as you watch this, you see Felger like theoretically trying to be stealthy and covert moving from from you know wall hanging on the wall he's moving from pillar to pillar trying to sneak things and and (laughs) and coombs is just behind him yelling just just (laughs) plowing through the center (laughs) of the hallway
0: oh it was Uh, so good it was so good it was so much fun it was so much fun and the story is fine the story's fine i got you know like um if if we really are trying to maybe um maybe the big story takeaways that i have in this moment are that um like the tokra infra uh, i didn't realize that the infiltration was to quite the degree it was i mean it didn't seem to last long um on screen strictly speaking on screen uh but uh for some reason i didn't quite appreciate that tokra were acting as like minor system lords uh maybe that's mm. the wrong way to say it right because system lord is more of a title than a or you know whatever you know what i'm saying though like powerful yeah. gould with jaffa armies um i kind of for some reason thought that something else i thought something else with the with the tokra infiltration but there we go that we had that happening and then not happen um Let's see, what other kind of big story things did we have with this one? Not,
1: not really a lot. That was the big one. Well, we were reminded that Anubis is a big issue. Well, yeah. Um, and we are hamstrung a little bit because we are going to get a whole bunch of information from Kansu that True. we didn't end up getting because he died. Yes. Um, one of the things that I appreciate about this episode is that this is designed to be a funny episode. Yes. And it is a funny episode. And, and we want to talk more about that. Um, and yet... One of the things that makes this work is that the the plot that it, that the funny is connected to uh, holds together, in my opinion.
0: Oh, agreed. There's nothing about it that's um, trivial. I mean, it's, it's not. Just,
1: it's yeah. not deep, no. but it furthers the greater narrative. It reminds us of where we are in the life of SG One and in the life of the story and all of this stuff. Um, but it still holds together. Uh, while we get to watch Coombs and Felger bumble through everything.
0: And it allows the SG-1 team to um, be big damn heroes, you know, it's a little bit hand wavy and that's okay. That's half the point. That was half the joke. You know, what right. SG-1 goes into impossible situations and takes care of it. And so you, we get a scene where we have like, what? 15, 20 Jaffa on screen towards the end. And yeah, yeah, and, and SG-1 basically mops the floor with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's basically what happened. And it was delightful. Yeah. And you know, like, and it was told in a way that allowed, because I was viewing it from the eyes of some fanboys um it allowed for that moment of them just sweeping the floor with it to be like yeah this is what they do it, it allowed um uh richard dean anderson to react to that phrase of you know you guys do what you do because it's what you do and he's like yeah i guess we do do this <laughs> and it's like yeah you okay. do do this it's fun go Let's do go it do this yeah precisely yep I had a lot of fun, delightfully uh, a lot of fun. I was really, really jamming on watching an actor whose work that I knew well do do something technically different, technically, but not quite super duper different. He was definitely bringing his, McKenna was bringing his way of acting to this role and I recognized it and it was a lot of fun. So I'm just sitting there just like, oh my God, it's so much fun. So what about you? What'd you think?
1: Oh, well, this is just a delightful, it's a fun, fun episode. Um, it holds together, um, you know, so just, it—it it, it is a little more tongue-in-cheek than we normally get.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and yet it, do, it is done well. Um, a couple of things that I uh, learned when I was listening to the commentary. Um, so, like, when O'Neill makes the comment about, uh, how was that resume gag? Yeah, <laughs> um, and then he looks at Carter, and then it's Teal yes. who says it needs some work. Yes. So originally that was actually uh, Amanda Tapping's line. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But when they were filming, you know, those actors who are funny people actually themselves, uh, they just don't get to do a lot of that in this show. Sure. Occasionally it happens. Um, realized that that this would come better. Uh, it would just the, the joke would land better and be funnier if it comes from Teal'c. Yes, and so they swapped the line, yep. which is awesome. Yes. Um, the other little tidbit is uh, when the Guawood, or when the Jaffa are capturing uh, SG One. That day of filming was just pouring rain. Oh yeah, it yeah. was a pour, but you never noticed it right because of how they were able to shoot this with the camera lenses and all of that stuff. Um you missed the rain in that, um which is kind of awesome mm-hmm. i I just enjoy this episode it's um you know, I enjoy seeing episodes that allow us to look at the heroes from a different perspective. um we get to see uh the other guys look at um our heroes and get to see them from that perspective, and I'm imagining us because if we were to see uh I mean like when we did the interview with Joe Malazzi a couple years ago or year whatever it was, mm-hmm. year ago now. Um I got genuinely excited and fanboy mm-hmm. um on that and and you know I tried to tamp that down and I did a reasonably good job. But I was also like, oh Joe, Joe <laughs>
0: <laughs> At Meanwhile, least there's on the me. inside. There's me right? being like, who is this guy? I don't know. What's your name? Malusi? Yeah. Hi. Hi there, Joseph Mul <laughs> Moluzi. mo 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 Whatever. So what's the show you do, dude?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, all of these things were just uh you know, I I just appreciate that. Um, you know, the the uh the scientists themselves are borderline incompetent, um, which is probably something that if they were actually working for the SGC, they would be less incompetent than what they appear to be.
0: Stick a pin in that, but I'll let you finish.
1: Um, but, uh, for this episode, I'm fine with that. I don't care because, uh, it is a delightful episode to see that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the outtakes for this episode were absolutely oh, hilarious. For,
0: boy. Uh, oh, boy. You know, so
1: like the gotcha. episode when they walk into the control room. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of see them walk into this uh, dark room. Uh, if if they had kept the, the the clip going, you would have seen them immediately turn around and walk. By, oh, I'm so sorry. 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 Didn't mean to see that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> As they pretend to walk out of a women's restroom. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, um, sorry. And, Run, and, room. sorry. And each of them in their own ways would crank it up to twelve.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
1: and you know, and, and at some point in time, uh McKenna would crank it up to twelve and Billingsley could only go i Yeah I can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get to that level. <laughs> and it would happen vice versa, yep. you know, like I have no idea where you're going but I'll just sit here and wait and find
0: out. Were they were, uh, how, how much ad-libbing was happening or
1: So so my understanding is that the like the general plot of what they were doing and even the lines to move that plot along were there mm-hmm. but they were given a lot of freedom To kind of embellish things.
0: uh, You know, and I wonder, I mean, and I wonder that's what I was, I wonder if that was what I was positively reacting to, which was that it, I didn't quite appreciate until just now that the likelihood of the entirety of the dialogue being written in was pretty low, right? Because there was a lot. Um, Yeah. There was a lot of fast moving parts. There was a lot of, of, of reactionary um, dialogue between the two of them, which as I'm thinking about it, like would have been just laborious to have to, to write out, to memorize and then to do versus here are your, here are your beats. Here's your point. Here's what you here's the, here are the ideas you're trying to convey go. Um, and then them just being superior actors, just, just doing it. Um, playing off of each other in that regard, uh, that must've been a, just an absolute delight. Like that must've mm-hmm. been just so much fun to just let film roll and <laughs> make sure that they're in focus and <laughs> go. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I wanted yes. to come back to, I said, to stick a pin in that, I, um, borderline incompetent. Uh, I think I officially disagree. We saw them pretty swiftly. Um, uh, uh, without calibration, fire up a ring transport thing and successfully get onto a hatak ship. But the entire episode, oh yeah. And also successfully deal with the, uh, uh, control room of the same vessel or well, whatever of the, of the fort, I guess it was. Um, but point is, is that the entire episode was them out of their element. Like, they are research they're 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 adjunct professors and lecturers and or or teaching applied math like you know what i mean like like the the situation is that this is not their forte at all so of course there's a level of incompetence um but it is a lot of fun to watch them sort of figure it out and to you know to to make it work and you know i thought you could read gould well i can Sort of. <laughs>
1: sort of. Sort of. I, I will accept your uh, critique and your disagreement, and I will uh, appropriately amend my previous statement.
0: <laughs> but the point is, is that they were basically a couple of stooges. And they were really, really smart stooges. And uh, they found ways to get in the right place at the right time. And one of the right place, right time aspects was that SG one was with them, so uh, they were able to throw themselves into a very bad situation uh, and then survive it (laughs) by virtue of fortune, um, good friends, and their ability to actually think through a problem. Um, Yeah, there was a
1: and if oh go ahead if they hadn't. if they hadn't snuck aboard and done what they did, SG-1 would have been in a really big pickle.
0: And that was sort would of have the... have had a
1: real big problem.
0: That's right. That was sort um, of the, the the cherry on top, was that indeed they were needed, uh, turns out.
1: Yeah. yeah. Anything else that you have to add for this episode?
0: One, there was only one other thing that kind of crossed my mind, which was how almost trivial it seemed for... Um, Coombs and um, uh, Felder to get into the uh, holding cell through the ventilation duct, basically. Like, I mean, yeah, they <laughs> yeah. said, you know, you got to undo the it's like magnetically sealed. We got to do the blah, 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 whatever. Right. So, you know, I guess theoretically it would be impossible for somebody on the inside of the room to uh, affect the ability for the magnet sealed to hold. But whatever. I mean, it was like this big old open panel. <laughs> <just popped>. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I can get out here. <laughs> but that scene was a lot of fun though, too. Just like, what are you doing here? we were supposed to. Uh, I, I do. F-
1: I love the, the, that moment when you have Teal and Carter and Jonas um, standing there and you've got those two scientists yes. just cowering Couching. behind yes. them. That's right. <laughs> and, and then the Jaffa looking like, wait a second, there's two extra sets of legs behind. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And then, and then you see them kind of peek their head up and over Yep. Uh, oh, shoulders.
0: There was so much about... It, it had to have been a lot of fun to have McKenna and Billingsley on set. Yeah. That had to have been a lot yep. of fun. But that's it. Yep. That was, those are my thoughts on that. Do you have anything else?
1: All right. Nope, I think I'm good. All right. Which brings me to ask you, How many chevrons does the other guys get?
0: So I'm really interested to see what the predictions are on this one. Although I suspect it's going to be good. But on the other hand, I, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun and it had a lot to do with Patrick McKenna and John Billingsley. Like that's really why I had a lot of fun with this episode. Had I not had the experience with those two actors that I did have, I'm sure it probably would have been enjoyable but i was sitting there just gleeful just watching it happen i hope that the creators of the show really wanted what basically is star power um to hold some sway in this episode they let these actors just go and that's because they were well established they were they're very very good actors and so it was a delight to just watch it happen um i I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely love this episode. This one's a 7 in my book. 7 out of 7.
1: 7 out of 7. Um yeah, this is a great episode. It's it's a fun episode. It's not it's not the dramatic episodes that we've seen. It's mm-hmm. not the story driving episodes that we've seen. Um this is a chance for our heroes to be our heroes and uh new guys, other guys to come in and just uh shine a light on our heroes in a way that they don't normally get. And then to be, uh, you know, so this is a story that's not strictly speaking about SG-1, which can always be a problem. But if it's done well, it is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this does it. So I am also going to give this episode a seven. Dang. A seven. Nice. Um, So it's just a fun episode. Um, I will happily watch this whenever... Uh, oh, my along. goodness.
0: Absolutely. Like, the rewatchability on this one is really high.
1: Yeah, it is. All right. Excellent. We have predictions. We
0: do. Including and... on Twitter.
1: Oh, well, do you have your Twitter predictions up?
0: I do. I thought ahead.
1: All right. So here we well, go. Well, then why don't you... Get uh, us going? Get, get us going.
0: We get the computer guy. Hi, the computer guy. Hi. The computer guy writes, Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. This is not a personal favorite. Looking forward more to what happens in the next few episodes. Have a feeling you two will love it, though. I predict a six from Brent and a five from Zach. Ah, uh-huh. quite close. Quite close. Like yep. it even a little bit more than that. Uh, we got uh, we got Lil Luther writing in. Hi, Lil. Hi, Luther. Lil Luther. Uh Lil Luther says, "Just spitballing. Bane factor will give it a bump." Sixes all around. Mm, indeed, Ooh. I might have to rename the Bane factor to be the other guy's factor because we liked it even more than that.
1: So I am going to say that uh, Bane and the other guys are in completely different ballparks. I would agree. Bane, Bane is just not as good as you think it is.
0: I completely um, emphatically disagree. And when we get to rewatch I it, I'll be able to. I'll be able to academically describe why I'm right.
1: But. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I am looking forward to that,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're not there yet. We don't have enough votes, and we're not there yet because it's on the Patreon. So, anyway, um, that is that's it. That those are our predictions from Twitter. All Thank right. you, the computer guy so, and Little Luther.
1: So, um, I asked a question uh, as part of the Facebook post here, I said, since Brent and I are clearly the other guys, who is SG-1? We're recording tomorrow. I need your predictions for our and your Chevron ratings Uh below. Um, I haven't actually read these, so I don't know if anybody's actually going to answer that question, but here we go. Rowan says, Hi, Rowan. I'm no good at guessing what you guys will give episodes, and it's been too long since I saw this one myself to give an accurate rating, but I remember really liking this one. I have a soft spot for the comedy episodes. Hello, Dr. Flox this one is pretty well liked by viewers with an average rating of 8.2, which, oh, according yeah. to my IMDb to Chevron conversion <laughs> scale, is a five, placing it in the top half of Stargate episodes overall. Nice. You know, Rowan, I really appreciate that you bring in the IMDb ratings and then convert that. I, I love seeing that. That's just kind of fascinating to that, see. That,
0: how that, that goes it out. is interesting to me. I like that too. Yeah. Thank you, Rowan.
1: All right, we have Sean. Hi, Sean. There's always lots of fire torches on these gold ships. Yes, there are. There's still going to be a limited supply of oxygen. Uh, that's pretty hinky. <laughs> you know what else is hinky? The other guys getting 3D Jaffa tattoos on their foreheads. They uh, were not in cannon poured in as molten. Were they not in uh, pour, cannon poured in as molten, molten metal? Molten gold, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the, the first prime ones were, yep. Yep. Ending a sentence with a preposition bias gives this a seven out of seven. (laughs) It's just so fun whilst being crucial to the story. Nice. Excellent. Um, uh, You know, uh, Rowan reminds Sean that it's only the first primes that get get the gold insignia and all of that stuff. Everybody else gets the black ones, and Sean's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Of course. Um, Now, uh, so... You know what, Sean? I'm going to give you a win on that. It's kind of unclear whether you're giving it a 7 out of 7 or you're predicting we're going to give Fine. it a 7 out of 7. Fine. But I am totally going to give it to you. Fine. Sean well wins. Well Sean. wins! Woo! do 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 ba Yay! Okay. All right. We have Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly predicts that both of us will give this a 5 out of 7 Chevron. Woo! Really? She says... It's a fun episode, although not super deep and plot horrific. Correct. I predict Brent will still enjoy it, but that it doesn't quite hit all the nuances that the Bane Factor would employ, <laughs> and I think that he had a middling but not fantastic breakfast that will keep his rating at a 5 rather than 6. <laughs> I think Zach will agree that it's an enjoyable episode, though not critical to the overall meta plot, and also rate it better than average.
0: She's not too far off. And as far as like the, the the mentality is concerned, but but what she didn't know was how much I like maple leaves.
1: Ah, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Now you're giving people another level of uh, meta predictions going Look, on here.
0: If 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 this project of ours has taught us anything, it's that I am a profound and deep person. I contain multitudes, Zach.
1: Uh, do you have layers?
0: Many, like an onion. Like an onion? Yeah, it makes you cry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything more about that. That's just just let safe. that just just let it be. Alright, next one is from JD. Hi JD. This one is amazing. I always love when a show has the guts to say, we're not going to focus on our main characters for this one. And just set up a fun romp for the background characters. Mm-hmm. Add to the fun that the guy from the Red Green show and Dr. Fox are our other guys. Mm-hmm. And this episode just has no wrongs. It also does a good job of moving other important story elements along. Six mm-hmm. from me, he says. Five and a half from Zach. And I think Brent will have a jolly old time and give it a six as well.
0: Jolly old time is correct.
1: Absolutely. Jolly old time is correct. Ah, but uh, we love it even better. We love it even more. Um, Warren says. Hi, Warren. I claim a near Bane level rating for Brent mm-hmm. that should not be less than a six and a six for Zach. The other guys are satisfyingly crazy and fun. Felger's friendly misogyny was slightly disturbing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a fun, lighthearted candy episode.
0: Yes yes, yes. Th- definitely in the candy category for sure
1: definitely in the yep all right we have Stuart hi Stuart this is a fun episode he says I think Brent will give it, this one a six mm-hmm. since he doesn't do half points I don't and Zach will be a five and a half since he does have more leeway
0: <laughs> very very close very close
1: all right we've got a lot going on here so oh, nice we've got a few more okay um this second here. I'm trying to... There we go. Okay, this next one is from Dan.
0: Hi, Dan. They don't think we've heard from him before.
1: Uh, in, in maybe maybe once. I'm not sure. Maybe? Thanks I for your name, remember, Dan. Probably. Good to hear from you. Well, thank you for... Th- I mean, what can you say, he says, about this one? Mm-hmm. I love it. It's so silly. It just works on every level. Mm-hmm. Um, plot accepted, of course. Uh, from <laughs> the great quips, we're on a mission, you knit. To the hilarious acting of Dr. Flox and nephew Harold, there's nothing about this episode that doesn't get me cracking away, cackling away, he says. The only thing that would make this episode better is if Uncle Red was actually the one to break the team out of Jaffa Jail. This is just one of those episodes...
0: Like with what, like using like using half of a half of a half of an above ground pool and a lawnmower.
1: <laughs> and duct tape. Duct, duct tape. tape. Don't forget the duct, duct tape. tape. Duct tape. <laughs> so this is as good a time as any to acknowledge that I never really watched the Red Green show. Oh, it's fine. However, I do remember watching the episode where he literally took two halves of a car, duct taped them together. Uh huh. And ran the silly thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically that's that's the gist of every episode. That's basically that's that's basically the show. And it's hilarious. Right. Okay well, if the women don't find you handsome. We need we need to continue with Dan.
1: Okay, Dan. Dan, Dan let's let's just get these uh, let's just get these SG1
0: guys out of here real quick and then we can carry on with the show, eh?
1: Okay, carry on there, Zach. Alright. This is just one of those episodes that happens when the writers are allowed to have fun, and it shows. Once again, don't forget the lessons we learned from O'Neill. One, don't end sentences in prepositions. Never. Two, scientists should apparently worship at the altar of Roddenberry. True. Three, always work on your resume. Four, people are not fruit. Five, hinky is in fact a word. Yes. Six, study your Jaffa military tactics. <laughs> Seven, always keep track of how many times you saved the planet. Yes. And eight, the Canucks of Vancouver are superior warriors. Mm, I'm not sure about that one, but that's okay. We'll let it slide. At least at this point in time, they were. They were, Brent, they, were they were quite superior. Yes, it's true. Yes? Well, Brent will break out the Bane score sheet. If Bane is a seven for you, this is at least that as well. That's true. Seven. Okay. He's accurate so there. He takes a seven from him. Yep. And a seven from Brent and a six and a half from me. <gasps> so close. Just because. Oh, so, so close. close. So close. All well right. Well done. We have Tim. Hi, Tim. Tim says, so is this the best episode ever? No, but I still no. really enjoy it. I get some more background about what is going on in the wider universe and get to have a fun lighthearted romp while we are at it. I will give this episode a six, mm-hmm. but I don't think Zach or Brent will rate it as highly. Mm. Five for Brent and five and a half for Zach. Ah. Well, Alas. Brother, alas, you did not predict correctly
0: well you can't win them all
1: no you can't <laughs> i mean you could theoretically but you can't austin says <laughs> hi austin oh boy do i love this episode uh-huh it's been a while since i've seen it but i don't think i remember it advancing the overall plot much if at all unlike nightwalkers this silly episode is self-aware and ridiculous on purpose yeah and thus we can easily sit back and enjoy the episode yep, yep enjoy the show I think my favorite part is when one of the two rings in, one of the two rings in and he just starts shooting. Yes. Yes. I think Zach. secure. Let's move out. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. How, how Coombs just falls down to the floor. Oh, he's just yes. crouching head covered oh. up. And like, oh my
0: gosh. It was so much fun. That was so much fun.
1: Oh, uh, Austin says, I think Zach will find it a wholesome five out of seven chevrons, Mm -hmm. and Brent will dial it all the way up to seven. You got it. Because this is Bane level of greatness. I
0: I agree with Zach.
1: It's a little too self-aware of being a comedic episode that may knock it down some.
0: Uh, Bane is brilliant in its own way, different from this. However, you are correct. I do love me an opportunity to uh, laugh at a thing. And not in the bad way. Not like a, oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that is Bane. But whatever. Yes. It's good stuff. I loved it.
1: All right. And we have uh, one more Facebook post Mm -hmm. from Nick. Hi, Nick. He says, I am Walter Radar Harriman because I'm good at my thankless job, am socially Mm -hmm. awkward, and am Radar-esque. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, I asked the question.
0: Oh, Right. Um, if we're the other guys, if who are, are they? the other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Who's SG one? And he didn't answer that one, but he does identify himself
0: as yes, Radar. As, I approve, Mick. hundred percent. There we go. All right. Yeah, but one thing yeah, about Radar. Emails. Radar is excellent at his job.
1: He is excellent at his job. We
0: never. I don't think we have at all ever seen a situation that was made worse because he was there. I've only seen instances where it's been made better,
1: so he's really the hero of the show. I'm just saying yeah, all right, well, we'll have to wait and see. okay, maybe things will change. maybe he will save the day one day. oh, maybe he already has saved the day, and he didn't even read
0: uh, that is maybe probably the reason, reason the
1: why s g one has to go through the gate and save it twelve thirteen times is because. The 15th to the 29th time was actually Radar. That's right. And so he got saved before they had to.
0: The world being saved 12 times, we think it's a high number. It's actually low. It's
1: because of Radar.
0: It's Master Sergeant uh, Walter Gerald Harriman, who has actually been low-key saving the world like every fourth or fifth day because that's his job and nobody realizes it because he's just that good at it.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. We do Mm -hmm. have some emails and we should get to them. Okay. We've got several emails. This is a long segment. I appreciate all of this. Thank you, Yes, me too. Rob says... Hi, Rob. Second time predictor here. Ah, yes. First was via Twitter for Meridian. Uh Uh-huh. I think I will predict through email from now on due to the character restrictions on Twitter. Yes. It's not you, Brent. It's me. Oh, no, no. Twitter. But but it's not you. It's Twitter. not you. Yeah, it's not me. (laughs) This is a really fun episode, he says. I enjoyed the rewatch quite a bit. We get the Jack Stark level set to a high, and it is wonderful. More Jack being Jack. I do have to ask, though, was it all a dream? Or was just the award ceremony a dream? I've gone back and forth on this in my own head, and I can see an argument for either situation. Mm -hmm. Regardless, I do really like this episode, but it is not quite as good as some of the other really fun episodes, i.e. Wormhole Extreme and Window of Opportunity. Because of this, I personally give the other guys a six and a half out of seven chevrons. Mm -hmm. I think Zach will also give it a six and a half, as it is a good rewatch and very enjoyable, but just doesn't quite get to that seven mark. Mm -hmm. And I think he will enjoy the episode for what it is without taking away for either all of it or a portion of it being a daydream. I can see Brent possibly going with a Bane type of eight here, but also think he could bring it down a couple notches because of the it was a dream situation, especially coming off of the heels of it was all in his head from the previous episode.
0: Yes, true. That's I am going read. to say
1: Brent gives it a five because of the back to back episodes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with at least part of the story not really happening aspect of it. Sure. Cheers, fellas. Really enjoy Thank the you. podcast. And your thoughtful and fun approach to breaking down the episodes. Thank well, you. thank you very much. That's Rob. very nice. Yeah. So, um, Brent, you gave it a seven, and I gave it a seven. Um, I will take this opportunity to acknowledge that my seven has been influenced by Brent's enjoyment of the episode. Yes. That's not to say that I wouldn't have rated it highly. But, um, you know, I was trying to decide, is it a six, is it a seven, is it a six and a half, and all of that stuff. I was kind of wavering in there. I don't think I would have gone lower than a six for this episode, because it really is, I think, a good episode. It's a very good episode. I decided to go for the all-out seven for this episode. Mm -hmm. All right. Perfection. Almost. All right, we have Susan. Hi, Susan. A.K.A. Auntie Susie. Aunt Susie. Hey, Aunt Susie. I'm probably an outlier here, but this mm-hmm. episode annoyed me the first time I saw oh, it, and still okay. does. Okay. So much so, I usually skip it when rewatching the season. Tell My me more. My initial reaction was, while still going through Daniel withdrawal, I needed the cool SG-1 team featured, not some bumbling red shirts.
0: Okay. On yep. the pro
1: side, there was plenty of humor with lots of nerdy in-jokes, and I found it very satisfying when Jack was around to yell at Felger. <laughs> Joe Malazzi mentioned that by ending the episode with a daydream, the writers unintentionally left viewers thinking the whole episode was a daydream. It might have made more sense if it was, since in reality Felger should have been fired or transferred to Area 51.
0: That's a fair assessment. Yes.
1: Still not a favorite episode. I give it a two. Whoa, okay. I, I, I can, you know, if this episode doesn't hit you, it will not hit you at all. And I can understand. I can. Oh, yeah.
0: No, no, no. It is not yeah. unreasonable. <laughs> but it's super interesting.
1: All right. Uh, if you're familiar with the actors playing Felger and Coombs, perhaps you are more positively inclined toward the episode. So mm-hmm. if Brent is using the Bain scale for television excellence, mm-hmm. I'm guessing he'll <laughs> give it a six. Close, but no super soaker. Zach, a five, because buried under the ridiculous plot was some advancement of the gold mythology. Uh huh. There you go. Um... So then she adds a little spoiler there, okay. which, uh, Brent, turn your ears off.
0: Uh, I don't know if I can. Remember, I got to mix this thing. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> um, How about you just acknowledge it and then you and Aunt Susan so, can have. So, Susan, you know. I
1: will say this. Your response there at the end, uh, I get it. And I can't disagree with you. Uh, I um, was, I was not as pleased as the direction that went. As you know, I was displeased with how that went, and it should have been better. And so I agree with you on that. Okay, there you go. There you go. I can say that. Yeah, and I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. I have no idea what you guys are talking about.
0: Also, don't forget if you want to continue this conversation on Facebook, I'm never there.
1: That is a true statement. Mm -hmm. So you're welcome to share your spoilery stuff there as well. Okay, we have a prediction from Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Short and sweet. This is one of my favorite episodes in the season. It was hilarious and entertaining, and the actors did a great job playing the characters. My predictions are seven and seven. Yep. Caleb got it. Caleb's <laughs> also a big winner. <laughs> 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 Caleb got it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah! All right. Then, Good job, finally, man. we turn our attention to David. Hi, David. Transporter pattern buffer. <laughs> wait, wait. Transporter. Wait. It's a Star Trek joke. Yeah, but it's the transporter pattern buffer. (laughs) Transporter. Okay, you're clearly getting it more than I am. Well, okay, so he does all of these, you know, ring encoding uh, bias buffers. Yeah, bias buffers. Oh, but
0: this time it's just a transporter pattern buffer. In this case, it's just the transporter pattern buffer, which is a thing, which is why I was sitting there being like, "Yeah, it's it's the transporter pattern buffer." Why is that a joke? Because he's been doing a Chevron encoding bias buffer this whole time. Nice. Yes!
1: Nice. Well it's done. It's not as funny when you have to explain it.
0: Look, it took me a minute, all right? I need, I need more oh, coffee.
1: I established that at the beginning of the show. This is hinky.
0: It's, that's not hinky. It's not suspicious in the least.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: what does David have to say?
1: He says, There is so much fun going on in this episode. Jokes, meta jokes, Easter eggs, self-mockery, action, slapstick, and so many Star Trek references. I mean, Khonshu the Disposable? was literally wearing a red shirt and had a bet left behind his throne.
0: (laughs) Plot twist. The big guy was actually the little guy. (laughs) You thought this guy was important, but no. (laughs) Oh, nice. I like that. I appreciate
1: that. Uh, this episode is worth a rewatch or two to catch all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. My own favorite scene was after Felger and Coombs transported through the rings and Felger just started shooting blindly. <laughs> that and the hand-drawn Jaffa tattoos. <laughs>
0: oh, were they hand-drawn?
1: They looked like it, yeah.
0: I, I mean, sure, that, that would that would make sense. I just didn't quite notice or, or yeah, well, okay, that's awesome.
1: I also appreciate how, you know, like, in in i think it's felger in the side of his uh armor there's this giant uh staff blast and when he rings onto the planet he's like ho- awkwardly holding, holding his, his hand side yes. over the blast yes. as they're kind of trying to walk away yep <laughs> oh this one
0: this All one right. this one is very sick <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, <sighs> you shot him. I just
1: zatted him. It's I still shot him. Zatting is very different. All right. So in terms of David's actual predictions, mm-hmm. he says, Brent, yeah. seven chevrons, because this <gasps> yes. is the height of television entertainment, unlike Bane.
0: No, Bane is also the height of television.
1: No, it's not. But yes, that's OK. Is. You are welcome to be wrong. In any not case. Wrong. Anyway, yeah. hmm. He also predicts that I will give this episode a seven oh, because we Oh David out two! Also loved Star Trek and enjoyed all of the jokes. Woo. Doop, 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 you know what this, this means? That's three winners this week.
0: Well, but I think this means so this is this is where it gets kind of funny to me. Like, like I know, Zach, you know, David, you know, but like everybody else. It's like, well, of course, David would be like in the lead because he works with us on this stuff. Like, why wouldn't he be? Well, I'm just saying we don't collaborate on this. Like, no, it's it's and I'm an agent I don't think of he is in the lead, Is he? What's that? Is he in the lead? Yes. Because before he he pulled even and now he's now he's the clear number one. He's now had oh. five perfect perfect predictions.
1: Well, there you go. Yes. Um, it's It's not a conspiracy. It really but, uh, isn't. Apparently, David has been able to get inside of our heads, which is a little bit scary.
0: Well, but it also makes a degree of sense, like I said, because like, we do a lot of the collaboration and such. But I'm just acknowledging that, though, other people are probably like, well, of course he'd win. He works with you guys. It's like, not necessarily. Remember, who could have seen me with my prediction of Bane before you got to know me better?
1: And, and we still question your sanity.
0: Even I question it sometimes.
1: Fair enough. All right. Well done, David. Brent. Yes. The next episode of Stargate SG-1, episode nine in season six of Stargate Mm SG-1, is entitled Allegiance. Mm -hmm. And I ask you, what is Allegiance all about?
0: Allegiance. Um, Allegiance. Allegiance. Ooh. I'm just going to go with what I hope it is. Even though I don't think it's going to be okay. this. Okay. okay. Here we go. Next time on Stargate SG One, the SG One team travels through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. It's a peculiar world in that it seems to be a place of great potential for the power, for the for the struggle of Earth against the Goa'uld. In so much as that its hallmark, the society's very existence, is on the forging of collaborative agreements between nation states. In this uh, wonderful uh, exemplar of a United Nations type situation, the SG-1 team realized that this is actually a great opportunity to bring to the table a number of different factions that have been present within our story in an effort to bring them to unite against the common threat of Anubis and the system lords. A great conference is called together and at the table we see you the representatives from the united states of america representatives lives from the russian federation of federated planets i can't remember i can't what what, what russia isn't russia russia is something else but whatever anyway yes yeah, it's, it's, they're there too
1: russia is just russia
0: no russia is like the it's not just russia but that's okay um oh, okay fine you know what i'm saying there's the u.s there's russia there is Uh, Some other friendly faces that we haven't seen in a while. There's also the Tok'ra and the Asgard. This is going to be a powerful alliance. But shocking to everyone, who walks in the door to discuss uniting hands to go against Anubis lord you yes even other ghouls are joining the cause and w- moving forward in a banner of alliance they move into a uh, into a magnificent uh, just humongous army ready to square off against the might of Anubis in a battle that will rock the galaxy to the core but in this moment all is forged in allegiance Join us next time on Stargate SG One: Allegiance. Big old, Beautiful. big old, inspiring. We can do this together. So, okay. Am I gonna see? Uh, am I gonna see the return of Thor sitting side by side with you, Zach? Not with me. No, not you. Of course, you.
1: Oh well, no, I'm not in this episode.
0: Not saying you're in the episode. I'm saying you is.
1: You just said that I was in the episode, and I'm telling you I'm not.
0: <laughs> part of me tries. Part of me wants to try to find a phrase, a sentence to end with a preposition, just to be, just to be dastardly. But I can't. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't want to think of one that's not a preposition. I don't know. I've gotten so
1: used to not All right. ending. Well, okay, here we go. Sentences. I have a promo for allegiance that we can look at. Okay. That's should we ending watch it? a sentence with a preposition.
0: Oh, you did say with. Wait, what'd you say? Whatever, let's watch the promo. How about we do that?
1: Okay, <laughs> I'm hitting play <laughs> now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Okay. The alliance between us. the rebel Jafar, Tokro, and Tauri Earth is falling
0: apart. Oh, now. I see. SG-12 was wiped out in the first wave, sir. Guaul knew exactly where to hit, it took us completely by surprise. Oh, 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 over here! Oh Uh-oh. boy! Oh Hi. my! Someone or something is trying to drive them apart.
1: Can you look me in the eye and tell me you trust the Tok'ra? Hey,
0: it's Ricardo Montan.
1: No. Is there it's a traitor in their ranks? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Do you know why the Tokra base fell? Did you kill him? No, I did not kill him. Or is it something
0: far worse? Oh, okay. Wait, what? Everybody's dying. It's all next time on Stargate SG One. Oh! 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 Braytech! Oh! Braytech went into
1: the ferns. Oh no! What happened to the ferns? What happened to Braytech? Well, uh, is Braytech alive? Is he I, dead? I tell you what. This is not.
0: This is not the forging of an amazing alliance. This is the shattering of one.
1: I never said it was the forging of anything. <sighs>
0: Well, now I got to watch. I, gotta, I can't wait till next week to find out.
1: Yes. Well, we will watch Allegiance this week at some point in time. And next mm-hmm. week, we will talk about mm-hmm. Allegiance with you. So until then, I say, well, I got to back up and say, nope. say so, <laughs> thank you, David, for putting those promos together. <laughs> we appreciate them every week.
0: Yes. Thank you, David.
1: Uh, and with all that, I say, tell us what you think about this episode. <laughs> About yes. where we got it right, where we got it wrong. Go ahead and go to the website wtts.space and type into that blog, or you can go to Facebook or Twitter or wherever it is, or send us emails, or you know, I don't know, dress up as a dancing bear and film yourself or something. I don't oh, know, boy. whatever. It'd oh, be weird. Boy. Um,
0: <laughs> come on, Zach, just bring it on in. <laughs> all we got to do is just, just gotta land this baby. You can do it. It's all right.
1: Here we go. <laughs> Until next time, I say, I'm Zach. <laughs> and I'm Brent. <laughs> and this has been Walking to the Stargate. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Bye. You did it. Yay. Started to dial it up. Get these <laughs> people home. <laughs>